of heights to the depths of the sea. So Joab went to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and he bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. And then the king kissed him. And again, it's been five years. Five years. If you look at the 13th chapter that we just looked at in verse 38, and then look at chapter 14, verse 28, it tells you the full amount of years. Three plus two is five years. Since he killed Amnon, there was a total of five years. That's a long time, isn't it? You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. When Absalom finally returned to Jerusalem, he was not allowed to meet with his father because David would not allow it. This frustrated Absalom and caused him to burn Joab's field in hopes that he would intercede for him. As brutal and amoral as Absalom was, it worked. Burning Joab's field got his attention and made Joab intercede on Absalom's behalf. Absalom outwardly submits to David, but David's refusal to reconcile for two years after Absalom returned left a legacy of bitterness in Absalom that turned out badly for everyone. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he finalizes these chapters. Servant from the hand of the man who would destroy me and my son together from the inheritance of God. Your maidservant said, The word of my Lord the King will now be comforting. For as the angel of God, and boy, you can, you just, she's just pouring it on. And David, I can imagine here, is just feeling, oh my goodness, I'm already feeling convicted. Now she's t- saying that I'm like the angel of God. <laughs> I mean, David, I mean, how, how much worse could it be? You know, he's already wallowing in his own pity, and now she's pouring this out. And he's just like, oh, good grief. Help, Lord. Yeah, that's a good prayer, by the way. Help, Lord. If you don't know that prayer, I would encourage you to learn it. Help, Lord, is a very good prayer. I say it often. Help, Lord. Nehemiah did that when he stood before Ahasuerus. Help, Lord. (laughs) Help, Lord. That's a great prayer. Simple to the point, and God knows what you need. Say it. I need it often. I'm always saying, help, Lord, with a capital H. So, Then the king answered and said to the woman, Please do not hide anything that I ask you. And the woman said, Please, let my Lord speak. Let my lord the king speak. And so the king said, Is the hand of Joab with you in all of this? Ah, yes. And I love the integrity of this woman. She doesn't continue with her, she doesn't continue with her subterfuge. She, She owns it. She owns it. Listen to her, what she says. 
And he said, is the hand of Joab with you in all of this? And the woman answered and said, as you live, my lord, the king, no one can turn to the right hand or to the left from anything that the lord, the king has spoken again, buttering up again. For your servant Joab commanded me, and he put all these words in the mouth of your maidservant to bring about this change of affairs. Your servant Joab has done these things, but my lord is wise. According to the wisdom of the angel of God, to know everything that is in the earth, And the king said to Joab, all right, this is his nephew, right? He's the commander of the army. He looks at Joab and he goes, all right, I have granted you this thing. Go, therefore, and bring the young man Absalom. And then Joab fell to the ground before the king on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, my lord, O king, and that the king has fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose and he made this journey again, at least an 80-mile journey north of the Galilee to the east. Joab arose and he went to Jeshur and he brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, let him return to his own house, but do not let let him see my face. Very interesting. Yes, bring him back in proximity, but I don't want to see him. Is David really, think about how, how much David has been forgiven. Has David been forgiven much? And now he's holding this grudge against his own son who's only done half of what David has done. He's only committed murder. He hasn't done adultery that we know of yet. So Absalom returned to his own house, but he did not see the king's face. Now David loved Absalom, and it makes you wonder why he didn't want to see his face. Maybe perhaps out of justice. Maybe he felt shameful that he didn't do what he should have done to Amnon. Maybe Amnon would still be alive had David done the right thing as a parent to confront his son. Maybe he was feeling a little pensive because now his son is showing more leadership or at least more willingness to do what's supposed to be done rather than his father. And David now is wounded because of his own moral choices in his life, this is a very this is a low ebb period for David. And, and by the way, he wrote some of the most beautiful psalms during this period that we all benefit from. Isn't that like a Romans eight twenty eight moment? All things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Even in his misery and his sin, he wrote some of the psalms that we read that just melt our heart because we recognize, boy, am I in good company. I felt this way, and David, you felt the same way. And as I read your words, the Lord's ministering to me, because I know you're in glory, and I want to be in glory too. And I know that God can forgive me just as he forgave you. Isn't that encouraging to know that God can forgive you as he forgave David? I would like to have a show of hands, but I won't do it, okay? But I would like to ask, has anybody actually murdered somebody, like physically murdered somebody? Yeah, Only, only, only 12 people. Now, I say that because the people on the radio are going to be like, oh, 12 people murdered somebody. No, none of us raised our hand. And I won't ask for a show of hands. But how many of us committed physical adultery? Every one of us is guilty probably of the spiritual adultery with our eyes and our thoughts. But to physically go through the act like David did, how many of us? I mean, you know, and David did both of those things. And, and other things, deceit. But he crack like an egg, he turned from his sin, and he is a son of God. He is a son of God. God loves him, 
And guess what? He loves you too in spite of anything that you've gone through. Is there anything too hard for the Lord to forgive? If he can forgive that, can he forgive even the serial killer on death row? He has, by the way. Can he forgive a hardened despot in the Middle East? Someone like Nebuchadnezzar, the one whom God, who was a pagan idolater, and God used him as his hammer against his own people. And then Nebuchadnezzar gets saved. Read Daniel chapter 4. Read his own testimony. He extols the God of heaven. And if there's anybody who doesn't serve him, you know, I mean, he made some pretty harsh things, but he was a believer in God, in the God of the Bible, in Jehovah, God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 25, now in all that Israel, now in all Israel there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his good looks. This guy was a looker. All the ladies looked at him. Probably had a really fancy car. Probably made of Corinthian leather. Nice sleek black lines. I mean, that car was just automatic. It was systematic. Handsome guy. Reminds me of another young man who was handsome in Israel's history. Remember Saul, Israel's first king? Head and shoulders taller than anybody else. Beautiful to look at. Blonde you know, hair. I don't know if he had blonde hair, but Absalom did. Beautiful man. Handsome man. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. He was certainly not doing commercials for acne cream. This man had was gorgeous. <laughs> Verse 26, And when he cut the hair of his head, at the end of every year he cut it because it was heavy on him. And when he cut it, he weighed the hair of his own head, 200 shekels according to the king's standard. If that, if that number is correct, 200 shekels, that's about five pounds of hair. Okay? Some believe this may have been a, mis, um, a mistranslation because in Hebrew, I don't know if you know this, Numbers are easily confused because there can be a number and it depends on whether there's a dot. There's some little identifiers that make it either 20 or 200 or 2,000. And if you miss that mark when you're translating something, you can make a mistake on the number. But let's just say it was 20 instead of 200. That's still a a half a pound of hair. That's still a lot of hair. A half a pound of hair. But maybe five pounds. Maybe he looked, you know, had the hair going all the way down and he looked like a lion, you know. Five pounds of hair. To Absalom there were born three sons, one daughter whose name was Tamar. Notice he names his own daughter after his own sister. And notice what it says, and she was a woman of beautiful appearance. And Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem, but did not see the king's face. So if you do the math, how long has it been since he killed killed, um, Amnon? It's been five years. (laughs) And therefore Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. And when he sent him again the second time, he would not come. And so he said to his servants, 
See, Joab's field is near mine, and he has a barley there, a barley field. Go and set it on fire. And so Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Again, just showing the cunning impetuousness of Absalom. And then Joab arose, got his attention, didn't it? It worked. So then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your, why have your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom answered Joab, Look, I sent to you, saying, Come here, so that, I may send you to, that, so that I may send you to the king to say, Why have I come from Jeshur? Why have I come from all that place? It would be better for me to be there still. Now, therefore, let me see the king's face. If there is iniquity in me, then let him execute me. And Absalom is guilty of murder. So basically he's saying, You know what, why do you bring me to Jerusalem and then I can't see his face? And he says, you might as well just make the, get a jury together and let's get on with this. Am I guilty? What, what's going to happen? Then, you know, let's just move on from here. And David, unfortunately, is not forgiving. He's kind of holding over whatever it is, holding something over on his son when, when he had been forgiven much. He's still kind of holding back. Now, granted, justice needed to be meted out. And, and how, you know, we know what the law says. But not, all, not every time that happened. So Joab went to the king and told him, and when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king and he bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. And then the king kissed him. And again, it's been five years. Five years. If you look at the 13th chapter that we just looked at in verse 38, and then look at chapter 14, verse 28, it tells you the full amount of years. Three plus two is five years. Since he killed Amnon, there was a total of five years. That's a long time, isn't it? And doesn't it seem true? Isn't it true sometimes that time heals wounds? Have you been wounded by somebody? Has something happened to you? And you find that as the years pass, your heart becomes a little warmer. It's not as cold maybe as it used to be. Maybe you've gotten over the heat of the passion, of the anger of it, and now you're in a place where you've accepted it. Now you, maybe you've even forgiven the person. You just haven't made contact with them, but you've cooled down. You've thought things through. Maybe even found a little bit of a guilt on your own side. And, and time does that, doesn't it? It's a, it's a wonderful thing, can be. It can take time for things to transpire before people can communicate again and do it in a meaningful way without anger and a loss of temper. So David, throughout chapter 14, was torn concerning Absalom. He's nearby now in Jerusalem, but he doesn't want to talk to him, doesn't want to see his face. He's not quite ready. He's not quite in that space where he's really forgiving. And yet... The Bible exhorts us to forgive, doesn't it? There's a lesson here for us as well. Forgive as we've been forgiven, right? In Ephesians 4, verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. 
Let me ask you, is your heart in that place of forgiveness? For someone maybe long ago, maybe somebody today, maybe somebody last week, last month, last year, whatever it is, has harmed you, or maybe you harmed them. Are you willing to go and get it right with them? You know, there's nothing greater than to be reconciled with people. Isn't life too short to let things go like David did with Absalom? Isn't life too short? Why not just get it right? Why not confess to someone that you've hurt? And maybe the relationship can be restored. You know, that's happening in families. There are families in this church that are still angry about other family members, and it's been going on for years, and no one has had the guts to go up and say to that family member, you know what, I remember last, you know, 20 Christmases ago, remember that Christmas Eve? Remember what I said to you? You pushed my buttons and I let you have it. You remember that? And you never forgave me. And I'm here to tell you. And I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I tell you what, Christian. If you do that, even if you're the one who is in the wrong and you go to somebody, God is going to smile upon that. And do you know that How do you know that by doing that, you may win their heart to Christ? Because who does that? Seriously, who does that? A Christian can do that. A Christian ought to do that. Are we Christ ones or are we not? Why can't we? When I got saved, and I'm just going to share with you something that happened to me. I knew I had been forgiven much. (laughs) And after I got saved, I thought about everybody I hurt, everybody that I did something wrong toward, and I eventually I found every one of them, and I asked them to forgive me. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. I even stole some property from a university that I wrote them a note And I said, you know what? You have every right to prosecute me. I took this. I know I did it. Here's when I did it. And I'll pay you back. Either cash or whatever you need to do. I'm glad to do it. And I gave my testimony how I came to Christ. Never heard a word from them. Now maybe they'll catch up. Maybe that letter will be found and they'll haul me off to jail. I don't know. But that was many, many years ago. But do that. Get it right. Life is too short. It's over. In a, in a, the Bible tells us that our life is like a vapor. Why do we wait around and expect that we have tomorrow? You may not have tomorrow. Get it right today. Get it right tonight. Call your mother. Call your father. Call your sister you haven't talked to in years. Call that aunt or that uncle that has hurt you and that you hurt them and, and, and get it right. And let there be tears. Maybe even let there be anger, but let there be a healing Would to God that this would have happened earlier in David's life. Perhaps Absalom and David would be in a much better place. We're almost finished. Just bear with me for a moment here. Jesus went to a man named Simon's house. He was a Pharisee. And and it's recorded for us in Luke chapter 7 that he turned, that there was a woman who was crying at Jesus' feet. And she had anointed his feet with with a a very precious ointment. Her tears were covering his feet, and she was wiping his feet with her hair. And Simon, this self-righteous Pharisee, looked at Jesus and was filled with indignation. And so Jesus turned to the woman, and he turned to the woman while he's speaking to Simon. I love this. Do you see this woman? 
I entered your house and and gave me and, and, and you gave me no water for my feet. These were just common things that they should have done for hospitality. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And I think of David, forgiven much. And how his heart now is still in struggling with this whole idea, but we need to forgive. We need to forgive. Jesus had this, and we'll end here. I think I'm done with the chapter, aren't I? Yes. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus had a very pointed message. And this really hurts. And it's something that I'm not going to try and negotiate away. Let's just take it for what it is and let it stew with you as it did with me. In Mark 11, verse 25, Jesus says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive him, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. That's a hard word, isn't it? And I'm just going to leave it there. Because I want to encourage you, as much as this is about David forgiving Absalom and, and, and all the turmoil there, I want to encourage you to do the same. Let's be forgiving people. Anger is easy. It's just part of human nature. But forgiving somebody, if you forgive somebody, let me tell you something. You will change your life forever when you do that. When you take the step, when you have the boldness and the guts to go and to tell somebody that you've messed up, that you did something wrong, I tell you what, when you do that, they're going to have a whole level of respect for you like you've never seen before. Even if they're angry with you, they're going to respect you. And if you can live a life like that, believe me, people around you will change and you will change and you will feel like a lead weight has been lifted off of you when you do it. I promise you. So let's stand. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for um, the saints in the Bible. We think of David. And we thank you, Lord, in spite of all of his failings and, and sin, Lord, you loved him and he confessed those things and was a broken man. Never the same quite again, but much better because he was no longer hiding. Lord, help us to no longer hide from you. Lord, help us to not hide from you and help us to get things right with the people that we love, the people that are around us, family members, relatives, co-workers, old boyfriends, old girlfriends. Lord, any wrong that we've done, can you help us to set them free and to just own the things that we've done? According to your will and plan, Lord, we, we can't visit everybody But Lord, for those that we can, should we, and can we, and will you work that out that we might be able to do that? So Lord, we confess our hearts to you tonight. We thank you for your word, Lord, just for what a pure word it is, even though it challenges us to the core. How we love you, Lord Jesus, and how we thank you for tonight. And please comfort our hearts, Lord. Give us that heart of forgiveness.
Give us that heart of compassion. We ask it in Jesus' name. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.